it's hard because there are not a lot of sex positive kink affirming mm-hmm. uh therapists out there that are also you know well versed in non-monogamy and so a lot of my clients and i run in the same circles and it's actually very often that i will run into clients at a play party or a mixer or something like that and that's a conversation that we have to have is like how do you want to handle this and obviously we don't engage or be near each other really but it's like do you even want to acknowledge each other's existence and ultimately it's up to the client Mm -hmm. um because that's what the law says so they get to decide how they handle it there's a Um, law for how to handle when we're at the same orgy but first a word from our sponsors it's the vibrator that has no equal and now motor bunny offers their thrusting sex machine the motor bunny buck enjoy a fan whore discount at manwhorepod.com slash motor bunny or use promo code manwhore at checkout When your mission is beyond missionary, step up your game with Liberator. Their collection of transformable sex furniture and sex toy mounts will put you in sexual positions you never thought were possible. Use promo code MANHOR and save 40% off the best-selling wedge ramp combo at liberator.com. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. What's up, all you peeping Toms and Jill and Janes? Shout out to the Frisky Fairies and Subby Hubbies. This is Billy Presida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey, 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 welcome, welcome, sluts and prudes alike. Thank you for showing up for another sex-positive conversation on dating, relationships, love, and the occasional butt stuff. Uh, This week on the pod, I have got on the very fun and very kink-affirming, poly-friendly, residential sex-positive therapist, Rachel Wright. Love her on Instagram. She's very fun over there. Um, Had such a blast chatting with her. I'll I'll get to her in a little bit. You know, you love a good um, expert person with a theater background makes for a great guest, right? Amanda Loy a few weeks ago, same thing. Can we, uh, can we talk about money for a second? I, you know, I don't make a killing doing this podcast, but you know, I hustle together a living, you know, that doesn't involve me having to go to an office on Tuesdays where I have to listen to Cheryl tell me about her big trip to the Cheesecake Factory, right? That, it's just a life I never really wanted. And I always, I always make sure to pay my taxes. Some of my sponsors, some of my side hustles, you know, they give me W-2s and withhold or whatever. But, you know, I usually got to write like a check for three or four grand every year, whatever. Uh, you know, and again, I'm not Tim Dillon over here, but I'm making enough for renting condoms. That keeps me happy. But my accountant came back to me this past week and saying, I got to owe the government like nine grand. Say what now? Um, she, she, she knew she was giving me bad news because she called me right away as soon as I just said, hi, I'm confused. She was like, hi, what do you need? Can I soothe you? Do you need to be petted? And I'm like, oh my God, are you my accountant or my lover? Because um, right now I could kind of use both. I, I, yeah, apparently I made too much of the wrong kind of money somehow. And I didn't spend enough money on the right stuff for work. Oops. 
I tell her this can't be right. I'm like, what's going on here? And it's like, oh, well, apparently I also made like four and a half thousand dollars on the stock market, which is weird because I'm like break even on my portfolio. I'm so bad at the stock market that I owe thousands of dollars on money I didn't make. Uh, this is this is why Kramer on CNBC was worried about retail investors not knowing what we're doing when we were busy buying GameStop and AMC going to the moon. He was like, mm, you have no idea what the fuck you're doing. And f- he was right. There's a yeah, there's some sort of wash sale rule that I did not learn on Reddit when I was busy getting <laughs> getting stock advice from people who call themselves apes. I guess that's something to do with like selling stocks at a loss, but then rebuying a similar stock or the same stock too soon. So then the loss doesn't count. And since I was treating E-Trade like like an online casino, I bought and sold my way into like most of my losses not counting. So I got to pay taxes on thousands of dollars of sales where I didn't actually make money because all the money that I did lose that counteracted it don't count as write-offs. Join my Patreon? I'm not good with money. Um, It's a good thing that the U.S. government's a good creditor to owe money to, but like motherfucker, nine grand? So anyways, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of unsolicited tax advice um, that I can't currently use, but uh, (laughs) it's a good thing I'm good at sex and talking about sex and troubleshooting my mom's printer. They're not very profitable, but they typically get me through life okay. Except now I might need to sell my pegging virginity for like about nine grand. If anyone's interested, <laughs> I will grin and really fucking bear it. Um, shout out to uh, Noxie DE on Apple Podcasts who wrote a kind review. Five stars, mind you. Didn't fuck around with four stars, even if that's her truth. Thanks for the five stars. Uh, Noxie DE wrote lately, so good every single week. Billy Presida is not only smart and funny, but he's also insightfully curious, sexy, and authentic. With great guests and very informative content, I look forward to the weekly episode drops of his podcast. Thank you for the kind review, Noxie. Thanks to all of you who have been showing up lately, dropping some five-star ratings. Some of you taking time to write a review. It means a whole lot. Uh, And if you can leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts, I know Spotify is now doing podcast ratings. You can give me five stars over there as well. Much appreciated. Before I get to this week's guest, Rachel Ray, let's do a quick fan whore appreciation moment. Okay. This is the part of the pod where I like to give a shout out to some of the members who are supporting me on Patreon. I want to give a shout out right now to Jacob J, JJ out in L.A., Thank you for supporting the podcast, man. Thanks for enjoying the show. Hope you enjoyed peeping on us uh, in the peep show. What up? Fanhorn Nation, it's a sexy country. I'm recording this now on Titty Tuesday. It's been quite good. Which, by the way, folks, you know, I, you know, every this hasn't been too much of a problem, except someone was being pissy lately. To be in the peep show, you cannot be anonymous to me. I gotta know who you are. So when people join. If they don't naturally put their like real information in their details on on the Patreon and they message me to get into the peep show, I always gotta be like, hey, can you give me some links to social media of yours or a picture of you with your license? Just something so I can confirm you are who you are, so that even though other people don't know who you are, if you misbehave, I know who you are. It's how we keep the community safe. So this guy was getting all pissy that like I wouldn't let him 
perv on the nudes of my listeners anonymously. And then he was like, you should offer a refund. I'm like, dude, I'm not, I'm not blocking you access to the peep show. I'm just responsibly asking for information. Like if you want me to mail you your merch at the $10 tier, I need your address. I don't put a disclaimer that I need your address to mail you something. It's just part of getting that reward. Part of getting the reward of peep show access is knowing who the fuck you are. Just a heads up. Now I've officially said it, Jacob. Different Jacob, interestingly. Both are Jacob J's. Both are different people. You know how I was able to confirm that? Because one of them sent me their info. And the other one was sketchy. Oi. Folks, Patreon is the best way you can support the podcast and the work that I'm doing here. Uh, If you want to support this whore boy and keep this podcast going well past eight years, uh, become a member today. You can join for as low as $2 a month, and I am for the month of April during my podiversary month, I am running a special deal on annual memberships. Annual memberships. You pay up front. You get the whole year. Don't got to worry about monthly debits. And if you do an annual membership in April, you get two months free. So support the podcast, become a member today at patreon.com slash podcast. My guest this week, Rachel Wright, uh, she is a super dope therapist, but also does great um, sex ed content on Instagram. Highly recommend y'all go follow her. She was a blast to chat with, and she has uh, quite some stories, including including a you know pretty tough story to uh, about cheating that we don't all always want to admit to. We all want to share the fun, happy, sexy, silly stories of dating, but you know, not as many of us want to admit when we fucked up. So, uh, you know, kudos to Rachel for for sharing a, a story where she is not being the good person in it. Let's go chat with Rachel Wright. Motor Bunny is a longtime sponsor of the Man Whore Podcast. We're big fans of this right on top vibrator, and you will be too once you get one. It's basically like a boat engine with your choice of dildo attachment on top. Um, and they got a whole lot of attachments. I mean, they got the big veiny dick. They got the the dicks that don't look like dicks, but they're phallic. Uh, they got the ones that they got a double penetration one for y'all that do have two holes down there. The Motor Bunny original, a classic. But the buck is going to make you feel like you actually own a fuck machine. If you've ever wanted to watch your partner get fucked by someone, but you're a little anxious and nervous to actually bring in a someone, well, there is something you can bring in in the meantime, and you can get $50 off your Motor Bunny buck or the Motor Bunny original, which I still highly recommend, big fan. But you can get $50 off a Motor Bunny of your choice when you use promo code MANHOR at MotorBunny.com or visit ManHorPod.com slash MotorBunny. They did tell me they want you to use the direct URL, but for some reason you can't remember manwhorepod.com slash motorbunny. Just remember promo code manwhore. As we age, our bodies are changing. Certain parts need more support than they used to. Other areas are getting a little sore faster. And that's why it's important to make sex more comfortable. And that's where Liberator comes in. Liberator has been making fuck furniture to make sex more comfortable, more pleasurable, and last longer for decades. Their best-selling wedge ramp combo gets you in the right positions just a little easier, 
just a little bit more comfortable, which means you're ready to be in that position longer and harder. And you can get 40% off Liberator's Wedge Ramp Combo when you use promo code MANHOR at liberator.com. Or you can click the link at the top of the notes to go right to the product. Again, 40% off their best-selling Wedge Ramp Combo with promo code MANHOR. Or you can just browse around liberator.com and upgrade your sex life today. Now let's get to the show. Three and a half of the guys are down my throat since I've never said before. And uh, I think the rest is almost there. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes. yes. Uh, and, and so wait, you're a psych. Are you a, you're a psychoanalyst or as psychotherapist? Well? Yeah. What, wait, what's a, there's too many. Too many words. Psycho, psycho. I know. For I know. Me. Uh, I just got introduced to a, a toxipharmacologist or a pharmacologist too. Yes. I was like, this is too much. That, that one's scary because he was like, you could just tell him what you need and he'll write the script. I was like, he doesn't even have to know about my childhood. That seems dangerous. Yeah, it <laughs> for sure. Um, so I'm a licensed therapist, basically. Um, I have my master's in clinical psychology. Um, the official license is a licensed marriage family therapist. Oh, okay. um, but because each state has like different names and terms for the licenses, a lot of licensed folks will just say licensed psychotherapist because it's mm-hmm blanket statement of like your run-of-the-mill therapist just another good argument against states rights in my opinion so it's <laughs> it's so obnoxious it's absolutely obnoxious i'm in the field and like i will see people's letters after their name and i'm like what what does that stand for and like i don't know what it means and i'm in it so I, yeah i don't understand <laughs> so stupid yeah you did a podcast as well right yeah, I had one back in the day. Um, I actually had one with my husband. Um, we owned a business together for like two and a half years. And part of that business, we had a podcast. It is hard for me to understand why people don't want to share when they know that them sharing can help someone else. And like the way that we feel seen and relate to other people is hearing other people's stories. And so if we don't ever hear other people's stories, then how are we ever going to relate to them? How are we ever going to grow? How are we going to reflect? Like, like I was telling you, like, it's not for everybody. There are some people that want a therapist that they know nothing about. And frankly, there are some people that need a therapist that they know nothing about, you know, depending on what's going on. Um, so I'm not for everyone for sure. Uh, but with the clientele that I see, it's actually quite helpful because they see me going through life and having my own ups and downs and twists and turns. And they're like, Oh, cool. She's a fucking human that like goes through the same things I do and just happens to have education in this area. And she can help me. Right. But like, do you ever have to like keep a check on yourself to not accidentally turn it into your own session? No, no. I, when I'm in therapist mode, I take up zero space. Like it is 100% the client. Oh gosh. That, that, that's like a, that's a huge level of like self-discipline because I'm such an excited sharer that like, you know, if somebody <laughs> accidentally asked me a question, Oh boy, you better give me a time limit. Cause like, I will happily tell you everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. It's actually like one of the first classes in my, in graduate school, I call it therapy school, but it's, it's not called that. It's just a master's program. Um, in therapy school, they, they really teach you how to what kind of pop culture calls like hold space. It's 
truly a skill of not taking up space or interrupting or even doing things like handing someone a tissue box while they're crying because the subtext of that is stop crying. Really, when we do it, we're just like, here, help clean the snot off your face. Like it's done with like a a good intention, but the way that some people can receive that is like, oh, I need to stop. And so even just little things like that and learning how to like not bring in your own biases, not bring in your own experiences or opinions in a way that will skew how you serve the client. I, I, I'm in group therapy now and like uh, four years of my alternative boarding school is a lot of uh, seminaring and they had a similar ethic on, on the tissues. So just I would sit there and I, if someone starts crying, I'm just like, so, so when's someone going to give them tissues? When, <laughs> when's it going to happen? Who's going to, who's going to break? Who's going to break? It's hard. It's hard. (laughs) And it's funny. I like, I do it at home sometimes on accident. And like one of my partners will be like, can I have a fucking tissue? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm not trying to be rude. It's just so conditioned in me now not to give anyone tissues. (laughs) Can you please be my loving partner and not a therapist? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Not a lot transfers over into my personal life that way, but that's one of the things that definitely does. It's so funny that that's like the thing that transfers over. Uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, And a good time to say I'm here right now with Rachel Wright, uh, a woman with many letters after her name that maybe neither of us know what they mean. Uh, Hello, hello. (laughs) Hello, hello. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I uh, actually... After we had even started scheduling this, I got to see you uh, do the consent workshop at Hacienda. It's and, true. Yeah, you got up there, and I was like, "Oh yeah, it's late. I'm gonna I'm gonna interview at some point." And I got to like watch you do the thing. You nailed it, crushed it. Uh, I Thank think there you. was minimal improper touching the entire night. I think you did great. <laughs> Excellent. I think you get to take responsibility for it. <laughs> that was actually quite a. Um, I was super. F- super fucking nervous that night. It was the first time in my life that my career and my personal life like crossed over because I was at that party as a participant of the party. Mm. And yet I was in this role of teaching and helping, which is my job. But then when I was done with it, I was just a participant. Mm. And so I was like, I guess I'm getting up in my little leather subby outfit to talk about consent. Yes, I'm that same therapist that you follow on Instagram. Like (laughs) it was a really, I was very, I'm like sweating talking about it now. I was really nervous and I don't typically get nervous for stuff like that, but it was one of those like worlds blending together moments that was a very vulnerable feeling. Yeah. How did it feel to do the first, the the first, that's the first time you've done that. Yeah. Uh, for Hacienda. So how, how did it feel? Like, how did it feel being up there doing the thing and then getting off stage and being like, someone spanked me? Like- <laughs> it was ex- <laughs> That's exactly what happened. How'd you know? Um, it was really actually, it was quite exhilarating. I was flying very high. I am also a theater kid. Mm-hmm. So like being able to like role play scenes of consent with my partner on stage is very fun. Um, you know, it's a blast. <laughs> I was in there like I was almost uncomfortable because it was like, oh, I'm supposed to. I think we were supposed to do this like a week after originally. So I was just like, am I supposed to see her like this? Like, is this? See, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I mean. Like, I talk about fuck for a living. And yet even I'm like, should I go introduce myself? Is that going to be uncomfortable <laughs> for her? Is, is it going to be weird? If she knows I saw her fuck. Like, is this like I, I was like, oh, maybe I should. <laughs> keep a distance. (laughs) No. And like, I have clients, you know, it's hard because there are not a lot of sex positive 
kink affirming mm-hmm. uh, therapists out there that are also, you know, well versed in non monogamy. And so a lot of my clients and I run in the same circles. And it's actually very often that I will run into clients at a play party or a mixer or something like that. And that's a conversation that we have to have is like, how do you want to handle this? And obviously, we don't engage or be near each other, really. Um, but it's like, do you even want to acknowledge each other's existence? And ultimately, it's up to the client because mm-hmm. um, that's what the law says. So they get to decide how they handle it. There's a um, law for how to handle when we're at the same orgy? <laughs> there's, a, there's a law for how to handle for outside <laughs> of session anywhere. <laughs> this happens to be, yes, at a sex party. Um, what, what do you find that they usually want? Usually it's, I want to say hi. Um, I think that it's, you know, it's kind of like seeing your teacher at the grocery store when you're a kid. You're like, they're buying frozen peas. Like, oh, they're a person outside of the classroom. And so I think that it's like, it's kind of one of those things. Um, And I'm someone who would much rather like name the quote unquote elephant in the room. So I prefer to like say hello and then like go about separate things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting. Cause that was not the case when I was practicing in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot more kink and non-monogamous and sex positive therapists there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why, why is it that it's so hard to find that? I know I, I only got into group therapy because he was like, one of two names someone in the community could give me and he, yeah. you know, only had group available. So I was like, I guess I'm in this. And I don't even think you can I guess could, who what I could probably guess who it is. Cause that's how small the community is. Like, but I don't even think he's that sex positive. Like he, his, his stance <laughs> on only fans is starting to make me want to leave. Um, <laughs> You know, I'm like, you know, we had a, we had a guy, I think I could say this cause I'm not giving details on who it's just like the last session, a dude found out that someone knew he's been seeing has an OnlyFans. She finally said, Hey, I want to let you know it's been about five weeks. I have this thing. My face is in it, whatever. And then he was like having a hard time and everyone in the group knows I have an OnlyFans. And so I'm just sitting there like, mm. Oh my. Yeah. Bro, get over it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's and, hard. It's but hard. The therapist is barely on my side. He's just like, well, <laughs> these things are kind of dirty. That's what makes them hot. And I'm like, do I have to educate you on like how desire works? Oh, see, that's so frustrating. And that's that's why that's why it's worth having the awkward conversation at the sex party of like, hi, we're both here because the rest of the time in session, they don't have to explain why they have an OnlyFans or they don't have to explain why they spent X amount of money on kink supplies. You know, it's like there are things that I have heard so many stories of therapists even saying things like, oh, well, clearly all the problems are stemming from being non-monogamous. Like, have you tried not being non-monogamous? And yeah. it's like, dude, no, like that's <laughs> that's not what's happening here. That it's, yes, non-monogamy can open you up to a new slew of emotions and experiences because our culture is so mononormative. But it's not the non-monogamy that's causing issue. It's right. just shining light on things that we need to work on anyway. All the other dudes in this group who are monogamous, you don't tell them, oh, that's not working if you tried non-monogamy. Like, right. Come on. No, if, if we did that equally, I guess I could kind of get behind it. Yeah. But like, we don't. So no. it's not cool. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I would love to. I, I, you know, 
to know about the therapist is helpful for me because it get you like you said it it helps to know what they know and know what I have to explain. I have a new therapist. I'm seeing him on the DL. Don't tell my group. Um, I won't. I won't. Secret safe with me. Seeing him once, uh, twice a week, one on one. See how it works. Uh, but so, like, he recently revealed that he listens to a comedy podcast I have been a big fan of, and it lets me know he knows some basics of the comedy scene. And I was like, yes. okay, cool. That we can speak some similar language right now. So yes. I'm always looking, you know, when I look for a therapist, I'm looking for someone who is uh, queer friendly, poly informed, kink informed, all that stuff. And and it's, it is interesting because, you know, if you can find one or two of those things and somebody usually kind of got the whole package, yeah. you know, if you find someone who's like, you know, queer friendly and kink informed, I can't imagine there are many who also then go, but that poly thing is weird. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's true. That's true. The only thing is, is there's a difference between being non-monogamy or polyamory informed mm-hmm. and then being polyamorous or non-monogamously educated mm-hmm. and like actively understanding. Yeah. Um there's like not- I asked my new guy to like read a few things if he ever has. Some, I was like, I don't mean to sign you homework, but if you could like read an article once in a blue moon, that'll make me feel better because I know you're at least trying to get it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And for me, like it's important that my clients, I think it's important that my clients or potential clients know that I am non-monogamous. Mm-hmm. So if that goes against their own set of morals or or whatever, you know, they can decide if they want to work with me before and they're not coming in. And then like 15 sessions in, they're like, you have three partners. Ah! And like, you know, run out the door crying. Like, I, I don't want that to happen. So I, I want people to know who I am and, and have them make a true informed decision on whether or not I'm the best therapist for them because I'm not for everybody. And like I said, I couldn't see everybody anyway. <laughs> yeah. So between seeing uh, your your caseload plus the three partners, are you just exhausted? Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. It, yes, and you know, I uh, exhausted in the best way. Sure. I I really love my work. I really, really, really love my work, and I really, really, really love my partners, and mm-hmm. so yes, it can be exhausting at times, and there are definitely some days where I'm like, I can't talk about my feelings anymore. Or like, I can't, it's more often I can't hear anyone's feelings anymore today. Like I'm at my, I'm at my limit for that. Um, And that's been a journey of, you know, doing my own therapy and getting to know myself well enough to be able to set that boundary so that my partners don't come to me and I'm like, I just can't talk. Like, I, I don't ever want that to happen. So I try to be proactive about it and really um, have space in my days so that that does not typically happen. Mm-hmm. And do you sometimes have to like say to the partners like, hey, there's there's two others. It's, it, today's not, Today's my day off. Um, no, no, I, I love, I love them so much. Like I would feel a little FOMO if I did that. I think like I'd, I'd feel out of the loop. Oh, Yale's going to hear about her trauma. I want to, I wish I could. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. 
So I, <laughs> I don't want to miss anything. <laughs> so if my, my understanding is you, you have a quad, is that, that's your setup? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was so not what I thought I was going <laughs> to get into when we started practicing non-monogamy. Um, yeah, my, I was married to a man. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been bisexual. He knew that from our first date. Um, and we both agreed that at some point monogamy was not going to be for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of would check in like every six months, every year or so like, Hey, what do you think? And we're like, no, we're good. No, we're good. No, we're good. And like, eventually we got to one of the check-ins and it was like, Hey, what do you think about, uh, trying that thing out that we talked about back in the day. Um, and so we started dating separately, dating individually, dating as a couple. Um, and we wound up meeting these two. And instead of having it be like two couples that, you know, swap or um, live separately and like date and whatever, whatever it was about the four of us, it was like, oh, this is our new family. Mm. And it, it was just not something that I would have ever thought. Um, so yeah, now I have three primary partners. Um, Kyle, my husband and Yair, the other male in the quad, they are Mm. not romantically or sexually involved, but they do consider each other partners because the four of us are so up in each other's stuff and Mm. we share bank accounts and we share everything. So like, even though there's not sex or romance, it's there, they still consider themselves partners, which is really cool. That that's, that's, that's wild to me. How long have y'all been together in the squad? Um, it'll be two years in a couple days. Oh, whoa. So like, uh, wait, how did, how I just, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm looking at my calendar. Yeah. Uh, March 30th, 2020. What, what happened? Uh Uh-huh. So we met because an organization that we were all a part of at the time, um, couldn't meet in person Mm -hmm. and they started WhatsApp chats when lockdown first happened in New York and something about years sharing in there, whether it was his photos or what he was saying, I don't really recall the exact thing, but there was something in me that was like, you need to know this person, like write this person. And that's very strange for me. I don't usually get those types of nudges. Mm. Uh, so I did. And I wrote him and the and next how, day, how long I, have you and Kyle been uh, non-monogamous at that point? Let me see. That was maybe like nine months. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It at yeah. least wasn't one of those things where it's like, you know, hey, March 1st, we're going to open up. And March 15th, we closed up. <laughs> no, no, no. no. We had luckily had like plenty of experiences. Right, right. Um, yeah. So I messaged Jair. He wrote me back. And then the next day, Ashley, his wife, messaged me. We hit it off. And then based on that interaction, I was like, oh, Kyle and Ashley are going to be kindred spirits. So I asked them, can I rope in Kyle? And we all got on a group chat and we have literally not, not talked in that group chat every day since then. Uh Um, so we dated at the beginning of the pandemic and we couldn't touch each other. We had dates outside six feet apart. 
you did those. Yeah. I was yeah. just like, I guess I'll take a break. <laughs> well, that was what mo- and most people did. And but you frankly, were like, this, this is strong. I got it. I got to meet these people. It was too. Yeah. The, the poll was insane. Mm-hmm. I, like I really can't even, I've never experienced anything like it. It was like I moved mountains to be able to go see them. Uh, Kyle and I were living with my brother and his girlfriend at the time in Brooklyn. And, you know, when we wanted to stop being six feet apart and have some physical contact, we had to get an Airbnb and quarantine for two weeks after the physical contact before we could come home. Right. So like – Yes, we did a lot. Uh, And because of that, we built a really incredible foundation of just talking. Like we Mm. talked for fucking hours and hours and hours and hours before we could even like touch fingertips. Yeah. You know, so it was it was really, really unique, really cool. And here we are. I might compare that to like uh, I was thinking about this recently, the daytime date where there's no sex afterwards. The the Mm -hmm. woman I've been seeing, we had two or three dates in the daytime. There was like, other than like kissing at the end of the date, there was no like, oh, let's uh, maybe go hook up. No, it was all daytime. So it's actually just talking and getting to know each other, not talking and figuring out when to invite someone home. And I think there's just a different like base you build. Not that one's better or or another, just just the idea. There is like a wholesome base that gets built uh, yeah. when, when it's like that. And I agree with you that one's not necessarily better than the other. Mm. I, however, am a very physical touch person. Like I'm even with friends, you know, friends, family, like I, again, I said I was a theater kid, right? Like yeah. I'm just, I, I talk with my hands. I touch people that I'm talking to. So it was really, really hard not to like give them a hug. And like, as things were progressing, you know, we started like I remember buying Ashley uh, a sex toy as a surprise. And I was like, the note said, like, you know, we can use this at some time. Like, <laughs> like we didn't even know. I hadn't even, like, kissed her. And, like, yeah. I was, like, trying to kind of, like, flirt and, like, move it forward, you know, without being able to. It was wild. How how long between uh, that group chat and and finally the touching? I think it was six weeks, if I'm okay. remembering correctly. Okay. Um, yeah. And and yeah. was that first touch date, like, was that also a sex day or was that first time just like, hey, we're going to go get coffee, but this time we can hug at the end? No, it was like, we want to have sex now. Okay. And what um, was that night like? I got to imagine it was explosive. It was, yes, it was. It was insane. Um, we had a couple nights together. I think it was two, two or three. Yeah. Two or three nights. Well, if you're gonna, yeah, if you're gonna break the seal, you know, get get some get some time in. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and it was wonderful. It it was just it it confirmed everything that we were experiencing without any physical touch, mm-hmm. and just affirmed the entire thing. Um, and yeah, we've like we've been together ever since, and you know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. We're all. F- we're all adults with personalities and needs and wants and feelings. And it's a lot of feelings and needs and wants <laughs> going on here. Um, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I love them so much. Aww. 
That's wonderful. Yeah, what, uh, what, <laughs> do, do you date outside of uh, yeah, the quad? We yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually haven't yet since COVID. Um, I just got back onto field recently, which has been fun. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, Yair has another partner that he sees uh, as often as possible. Um, she also happens to be a wonderful friend of mine, uh, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, and Ashley and Kyle have not dated either since, uh, COVID. So we're kind of all easing in at our own pace, uh, getting back, getting back into the, (laughs) into the scene. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, going to the parties is certainly, uh, it certainly helps, uh, get you in there. How long had, had, have you been going to parties like Hacienda? Um, not long, actually. Kyle and I went to our first party. I think like six months before the pandemic hit Mm -hmm. and we only went to two before that. Um, So not super experienced in that space. You know, it still feels very like, Oh my God, we're at a sex party. There's people having sex over there. And like, it's really fun for me to feel that because, because of my work, I talk about so much and I have heard so much and like, Mm -hmm. there's not much that can, shock me or uh yeah there's just not much that's like <gasps> and so to have the experience of like <gasps> is <laughs> is really fun for me <laughs> yeah my, my my girl's starting to like get some shock of uh this whole world a little bit particularly in uh in, in realizing in the the dating of it all that uh that uh, it sucks sometimes <laughs> to be out dating especially yeah. among like polyland people because uh, I feel like there's some just extra elements there because you have like a different level of poser that kind of like sometimes goes through a scene. I got to imagine you have some horrid poly dating stories. Yeah. I mean, honestly, most couple dates, except for one that Kyle and I went on together, were pretty, pretty icky. Um, a lot of like, oh, we only date together and we only play together. And then we would start a group text with the four and like the guy would text me on the side and I'm like, mm, mm, mm. so that would be like a, a no go. And that happened a lot. Um, just what do like, you think that's about? I don't know. People still want to feel like they are secretive. there's something about the, the secrecy that some people really enjoy. Um, I'm not interested in partaking in that. Uh, I live my life so, uh, in alignment with agreements and in integrity with what I will say I will do. Um, so I, I've, I've done enough of that in my past. I don't, I don't need to bring that into my polyamorous life. Oh, did you used to be a secretive person, Rachel? Um, did you, did you have some struggles back in the day? Yeah, the struggle being I was a polyamorous human that was stuck in a monogamous society that didn't understand that my brain was fine, that, that it was the relationship design that was broken. Um, you know, I was a serial monogamist. Um, I cheated twice. Only the fact that it's only twice is honestly like baffling to me, truly, which is sad to say, but it's it's true. Um, 
I didn't know how to get out of relationships. I didn't understand why I couldn't go like see what it was like to kiss this other person and still be with this person I had been with for like two and a half years and love dearly. Um, But I didn't have the language for it. And I didn't, you know, I was like a baby. I had no clue. It wasn't until my master's program that I even learned about non-monogamy. They taught that in the master's program? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and and what kind what kind of trouble were those two uh, cheating incidents like? How did those come about? And and what's going on in your head when when they're happening? Even when you're some people panic even just realizing they're attracted to somebody else, let alone following through. Yeah, I think in both cases. So the first one, I was really young. I was in high school, mm. and i I remember thinking, why can't I have both? Like I'm not. And the the thinking at the time was like, I'm not getting married. Like, why, why can't I date both people? And no one really had an answer for me. I remember asking my friends, but never bringing it up to like my mom, which I honestly could have now looking back. And then the the other time, I was a bit older. I was in my early 20s. And I was living with a partner and I just... He was he was a great friend and that he he became very platonic mm. and what wound up happening was I met someone else who was in a very similar situation as me mm. and he was also feeling a platonic only relationship with his monogamous partner um and we kind of bonded over that and had this affair um, that was really fucked up. Like it was, it, it was, it's, it's, I would say it's the worst thing I've ever done. Mm. Like as a human offense to another human, that was the worst thing I've ever done. Is it like more or less worse than like slapping a host at the Oscars? <laughs> No comment. No. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, so what, I, I want to turn it back just a little bit to when do you realize it's platonic and, and what does it, how does that look different than what it was before? Um, I realized it was always platonic. And I think uh-huh. that that's what was so hard about it is this gentleman in particular, he was like, he was truly my best friend. Mm-hmm. And I loved being around him. I loved spending time with him. We would sing musicals together, um, like just, and such a sweetheart, giant Mm. heart, biggest caretaker. And the sex was fine, um, but I wasn't really old enough to understand that it wasn't good. Good. (laughs) So it, it was this realization of like, I don't, why don't I want to have sex with my partner? Like I like sex and I don't want to have sex with him. What's wrong. Mm. And then having that realization of like, Oh, I just don't want to have sex with him. Like I could stay with him platonically, but like I need something somewhere else. Mm. Um, And if I had had the language, who knows? Like who knows if he would have said like, yeah, let's explore this non-monogamy thing. Like yeah. I, that could have been the case. Um, but yeah, it was, it was not good. The other guy was engaged. It was just, it was fucked. It was really the worst thing I've ever done. What, what was that first time you 
cross the line like? Um, we were at, so we lived in the same apartment complex. If anyone is listening, (laughs) if anyone is listening to this and knows this story, (laughs) yeah, we lived in the same apartment complex. We all would have told you that's the first rule of cheating is, uh, don't do that. Right. And this was in Southern California. So the weather was consistently, uh, great. And we would go to the jacuzzi all the time. That's yeah. rule number two. I mean, I just, you're really br- going down the line. I'm telling you, this was like a recipe for fucking disaster. Yeah. Did um, you not so- get the cheating book? Because like they have it at the library. I thought I thought you all knew. <laughs> uh, yeah, right? I know. I know. I didn't read up on how to appropriately cheat on my partner who I didn't have the courage to just break up with. Um, I, <laughs> the first thing that crossed the line was we were in the jacuzzi. And I like the Jets came on and wow, I haven't thought about this in so long. The Jets came on and it like pushed me. You know how sometimes you get like a a wave in water and like your body moves without you moving it. And my thigh rubbed up against his leg. And it was completely unintentional that first time. And my entire body went into like, oh, my God, I want sex again. Yeah. And it was that feeling that I hadn't had with my then partner for so long. And I was like, oh, no. And I kind of looked at him and I like saw in his face that like I was definitely not the only one experiencing it. And then we kind of like went on opposite sides of the jacuzzi and like nothing happened for a little while. Um, And I don't really remember how things progressed from there, but it, they progressed and they progressed and progressed and progressed and progressed. And I got out of that relationship because he found out that I was cheating on him and I got what I wanted by hurting a lot of people and it, it sucked and it was a giant learning experience for me. How do you find out? Um, <laughs> I, someone saw us in the apartment complex cause duh. Yeah, duh. Uh, and they they shot him a text that was like, "Hey, check check out where like Rachel's going when she says she's going don't, somewhere." Well, put, put the boy out of his. But don't give don't give the man right? homework before he gets heartbroken. Just tell him <laughs> I know I saw Rachel with somebody. Don't make him have to go buy detective gear. And he's I got know. like oh, I know. And he's I, such a good guy. I yeah. like truly. It. I had to do a lot of therapy to not carry this around as like, you're a horrible person all the time, you know, like this, this cloud of like, what the actual fuck did you do? Um, And so that's part of why now I'm so in integrity with agreements and honesty. And like, I know what that feels like to be in something dishonest and it fucking sucks. I mean, I I was having hives, like I started having panic attacks. Like my body is not built for secrecy and lying. <laughs> I just can't do it. So we're playing poker together. Um I got to imagine you have some thoughts. I got to imagine you've got comments. And the best place to share your comments, your questions, your criticisms of the episode are in the episode discussion channel of the Champagne Room connect with hundreds of fellow whoreheads in our open to all super free discord server and to help you start the conversation about this week's episode i've got an episode 
icebreaker for you. Visit manwarpod.com slash discord right now. Open up your app. Get on into the episode discussion channel. You got the champagne room open? You're in discord? Yeah? You got to set it up okay? I think you're ready. Okay, here's here's the episode icebreaker for this week. Pop on into the channel. Share your thoughts. Give us your cheating stories. Whether you were the cheated or the cheated upon or the uh, the third wheel, the access, the cheating accessory. I've been a cheating accessory before. I'll admit. Maybe you'll get a good laugh. Maybe you'll get some support. Maybe you'll get the nice feeling of knowing that you're not the only one. Again, share your cheating stories today at manhorpod.com slash discord. All right, now let's get back to Rachel Wright. How, <laughs> what, what are the rules and agreements like in your current relationship? Or um, relationships, sorry. Oh, gosh, it's just ingrained in me. Uh, see, see that? <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. We don't really have rules. So rules, uh, when I teach about non-monogamy, I mm-hmm. typically will say that like rules are above us, like the law and like a teacher sets rules and agreements are between us. Mm-hmm. There are two people or more people than two agreeing to something. Um, so like one of our agreements would be uh, using protection with people outside of the four of us. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really strong agreement, you know, and then there's like ones that change and we come back to, um, or adjust, you know, I, I just recently made a, a newish agreement with, um, Yair about letting me know when he's on his way home from a date. Mm-hmm. For some reason I was getting very anxious around not knowing if he was like home and alive. Like what if he was in a car accident and I'm asleep and then I don't know until the morning. And so like just getting a text that says like, Hey, I'm on my way home. Totally got rid of that. Um, so now we have an agreement that he shoots me a text and for contrast, Ashley didn't need that. You know, she didn't need the I'm on my way home text. And so you don't need, you don't need the on I'm on my way home text from Ashley. Well, she hasn't dated yet. So I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I I think I probably will. Um, It's definitely like the, the old Jewish mom in me. That's like, please text me when you're on your way home. (laughs) Are you dead on the side of the road? Um, And you know, that comes from something not even having to do with non-monogamy, right? That's just like, Mm. In general, if you're out past midnight, tell me when you're on your way home because I love you. Like, yeah. Yeah. So that's an example of a couple. Do you all have any agreements that like are aid anyone in managing their own jealousies? For example, like I know of couples who might say like, well, no sleepovers or like generally Mm. let's not do sleepovers because like the idea of you snuggling with someone makes me feel a little like hurt or whatever. Like, do you guys have anything like that? So we we try not to create agreements that are to avoid uncomfortable feelings. Mm-hmm. We try to talk about the uncomfortable feelings and work through the uncomfortable feelings rather than trying to limit the behavior of one of us in order to avoid it. Um, so we'll definitely talk about it. We at ad nauseum. I mean, literally we will talk for fucking ever about certain things and 
that is still worth it to all of us than to just say, Don't well, this that. is too uncomfortable. So no. Mm-hmm. Is there yeah. an example of a, something you might work through that you otherwise could have had this particular rule for, but instead of having this rule, you said, we're going to talk about it. Um, yeah. The The first thing that comes to mind is actually what was pre Yeager and Ashley. Um, Kyle and I had a, a no sleepover rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did that at first because of exactly what you're saying. Like the idea of kind of this like overnight snuggle robe. I don't even know what, I don't robe. know. Um, wow. And that changed very quickly. Yeah. Um, that changed very quickly. One that we never changed until Yair and Ashley was Kyle and I had an agreement that we would never host. So like our bed was our bed um, yeah. and nobody would come over. Um, that changed very quickly with Yair and Ashley, but it, it didn't before I, I had a partner for like six or seven months and every other week we got a hotel room and Mm. would have a sleepover. Um, and it was great. We went to the same hotel every time he called the gift shop area, our pantry, you know, it was like, (laughs) it was a really fun thing. And yeah, I mean, looking back on it, it was absolutely definitely to avoid, feelings of discomfort but we don't really do that anymore mm. my th- my partner she's uh she's very new to non-monogamy um you know we've been seeing each other about 10 months and uh you know one of the things i'm trying to i always keep reminding her is that like any agreement we make doesn't have to be a forever agreement yes. uh, both like on my end where if i feel like it's restrictive i can always remember this is not a forever thing. Yes. We can always revisit this. And on same on her end, I'm like, if something feels icky after a few times, don't freak out. We just come, yes. we can talk and re- renegotiate. I mean, I feel like the word negotiation can feel icky when it comes to relationships, but I mean, like, that's what it is. Like we're, we're renegotiating the contract, the terms of this relationship or these relationships. Um, 100%. So, so like, for example, what, why did the sleepover rule get overruled? Um, I really wanted it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I fought for it. Yeah. And, you know, Kyle was gracious enough and, um, courageous enough to have that conversation mm-hmm. and to really work through what was coming up around. Why not? Something that we do is when we create an agreement, we will often set a time to come back to it. Mm. Um, intentionally. So not just like, let me know if this is still working for you at some point in the future, but like periodic renewals. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, I have clients that literally have a shared note of like pages and pages and pages of agreements. And it's like the date that it was made, the date that we're coming back to talk about it because we all evolve and change. And, you know, if you've never been to a sex party, for example, you may have an agreement that you're not going to have penetrative sex with anybody else at your first party. Mm-hmm. Well, it would probably be good to check in after your first party to talk about the second party. Sure. And after the second one to talk about the third one, right? And so it's just, it's like giving each other the space to grow too. Now, what do you feel about, because uh, we actually had this rule at the that Hacienda where you gave the, the workshop talk. What do you feel about when one person is all of a sudden like, I think I do, 
do you want to play with this person? Now, I'm of the mindset, like, if you make a rule at the party, like, hey, we're not going to have penetrative sex with other people. I'm of the mindset that, like, you know, we're also agreeing by agreeing to this to not propose it to someone to change that at the party. Because then there's, like, this inherent pressure of, like, well, now I'm putting you in the position to be the party pooper by asking if we can change a rule we agreed to follow. Yeah. The only challenge with that, I agree. I I agree with you in concept. The only challenge Mm. with that is when you put it in the inverse. Mm. So let's say you make an agreement that like everything besides penetrative sex is on the table. Okay. And then you get there and whoever you're with is like, actually now all of a sudden I like, I'm really freaking out around oral sex. Right. Can we take that off the table? That also is inherently changing the agreement that you made before you came in. Mm-hmm. It's just taking something off instead of adding something. But don't we don't aren't we supposed to like try to default to the more, for lack of a better term, like conservative uh, feeling? So that's a really tough question. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really nuanced answer because, like, it's it's. I would be. I would imagine it's very unempathetic of me if, say, we had that. We had that agreement, and then all of a sudden, it's like, "Whoa, oral sex is freaking me out." I'd be like, "Well, too bad. I'm getting this blowjob right now." I, so, to a certain extent, yes, we of course want to respect what comes up for our partners. If if something is like, "I want to leave," and you agreed to stay till two, like, mm-hmm. have a conversation. I am by no means saying like. Oh, well, we agreed to this, so like fuck off. You know, that that's not the response I'm talking about. And we don't want to enable our partners to not feel uncomfortable feelings. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the way that some folks present discomfort is I want to change this agreement. And really what they're saying is, I didn't realize I was going to be this uncomfortable. Can we talk for a minute? And so while I think it warrants it warrants a pause is mm. what it is and actually like stepping aside and having a conversation. And on the flip side of that in that same way if somebody wants to change the agreement to move the other direction that can also be a conversation. Mm-hmm. It's it's important that the person who feels quote unquote the most comfortable doesn't start to feel uh, shame for being themselves. Mm-hmm. And if we only go, if we go by this default of like, I will only go at the pace of the quote unquote, like slowest or most uncomfortable person, that person isn't going to have the opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. And the person who's like, quote unquote, leading the pack in terms of like, go, 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 go. That person's going to eventually feel resentful towards that other person for restricting them to. Yes. Much. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't, I, I imagine it's easy for some people to weaponize that type of mindset and go like, no, you gotta let me get this blow job. Cause you said, you know, you gotta let totally. me be myself. Okay. Totally. If I can't get blow jobs from random chicks, then, you know, that's not me. I gotta be true to me and true me gets blow jobs. Okay. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we don't want to weaponize it. It's it's real and that's why I say it's so nuanced because mm-hmm. like people do take advantage of other people. And so there are really unhealthy toxic non-monogamous relationships out there. Yeah. And if you're in a generally really healthy, happy 
non-monogamous relationship and something comes up for you and you want to shift something, like have a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of the whole weaponizing stuff, you know, can you think of maybe like two or three types that are out there on the fields and whatnot that you're hoping you avoid on this go around? Mm, Okay. There's the married person. I'm queer, so I'm using Mm. gender neutral terms here. Um, There's the married person that is masquerading as a non-monogamous person. That's fun. Not. (laughs) How can you tell when it's them? Um, Pretty quickly. If you start asking them about their experience in non-monogamy, they don't have any. So they like very fast. You're like, ah, oh, you there. Mm. And like, trust your instincts with that. Yeah. You know, um, I all their photos ask, look like it's two people cut in the middle. Y- yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like asking them, you know, uh, who are, do you currently have other partners right now? Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see how somebody handles that answer. And like, you know, if somebody asked me that, I would be like, yeah, I live with three people. If I asked that of someone who is married and monogamous and cheating on their partner, they're going to be like, uh, um, no, 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 I can't, uh, no, like, the, kind it's, of, yeah, kind, <laughs> kind, uh, you know, casually, uh, it, so finding someone like not hearing the lingo mm-hmm. is also another indicator. So, like, you can drop in a word early on in the conversation, like what's your take on relationships with metamors? Or when was the last time you experienced compersion? Mm-hmm. Like drop in a non-monogamous vocab word and someone who is monogamous and masquerading as a non-monogamous person is going to be like, what is compersion? I love a good pop quiz. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it when the I love it when the readers get rewarded a little bit, you know? Like- <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. I have a little Easter egg in my profile that's like at the very bottom, well, towards the bottom. It says, if you have read this whole thing, please put this word in your first message to me. I because do, I do that on Reddit. I love that move. Right? Because how many people just see one photo and they're like, oh, swipe or heart or whatever. And then we start talking and they're like, you have three partners. And I'm like, dude, you what? Come on. Or like the people who asked me right away, like, what do you do for work? It literally said the first word in my profile is therapist. Like. What? (laughs) Um, So that's actually the second type of person is like the I am not. I am all for whatever type of sexual relationship you want to have. If you want to like go have stranger sex, that's cool. I want that person to care about me as a human. If a person can't read four sentences about me and are like, oh, I'm just looking for sex. What? I have to get to know you? Like, (laughs) I mean, if you consider four sentences getting to know me, I guess then yes. But like a glory hole, man. Like this is real low shit. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that's, that's the other type that I would be kind of wary of. Um, and honestly, just anybody who, (laughs) anybody who you get a little spidey sense of like, something's off. Yeah. Something is just off. Like there are so many wonderful humans out there. And if you're getting the sense that like something is going on, just 
like, no, move on. You know, there's, there's great people out there. And when you click with someone, you will click with someone and it's fun to text back and forth and it's fun to be in conversation and you feel seen and they put the word that's in the middle of your profile in the first sentence and Mm -hmm. They do all these things and you're like, okay, that's someone who can now treat me like shit in bed. (laughs) (laughs) You got to, you got to earn that. And for, yeah, if that's your thing. (laughs) And and, and, and like listeners, you know, pay attention. We haven't even gotten to like the type, these types in real life. Like we're simply talking about just like on the app. Like here's some really basic shit. We're not even talking about like how people suck once you get on the date or get in the bedroom, oh, you know, then yeah, no, we're, we're not even on to the, uh, you know, ga- um, uh, person who is lazy in bed, but calls themselves submissive instead, you know, oh. like we haven't even gotten to that. It's like, <laughs> That's a fun one. That's I'm just, I'm a princess. And I'm no, you just don't want to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Submissive and pillow princess are not the same thing. Right, right. The, the the fake subs and the fake doms like really deserve each other. <sighs> Truly. Like go <laughs> off and live in fake DS land together, please. <laughs> how, how, how do you manage um, including the, you know, queerness, the non-monogamous and the kink into your dating practices? Um, I'm really upfront. Yeah. You know, I one of the things that I love about non-monogamy mm-hmm. is that we get to meet people without the box put around us already. Mm-hmm. So like in monogamous land, you meet someone with a context. You're like, I have a person who you will like to talk about work with, or like, here's this new friend for you. Or if you're dating, it's like, I think there's a potential partner for you. Like there, you meet someone and there's already this context, this box around like what the relationship is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I love about non-monogamy is you can meet a human and figure out what is there. So whether that is I go out on a coffee date and I meet a new theater buddy or I go out on a coffee date and meet a new dom or I go out on a coffee date and meet, you know, someone that I talk to once a year at the Super Bowl. Like, I don't even know, but like, (laughs) it doesn't matter. It just you you get to show up as you. And then if they show up as them, you get to see what is just naturally there. And that's. Like, I think that's my favorite thing about non-monogamy. I've I've been saying that a long time. It's inappropriate to try to make a fuck buddy into a long-term romantic partner and be inappropriate to treat someone who uh, should be a long-term romantic partner just as a fuck buddy just because it was on that app. Like, let just figure out what that chemistry dictates this is going to be. Exactly. And so it's the same thing for my queerness, for my kinkiness, for, you know, Mm. whatever. It's like, let me just meet the person. And if we get to that topic and then we start talking about it and we align in that way, great. But like, I, I don't have an interest in trying to find like, you have to check all seven boxes of these things before I will go to Starbucks with you. Like, (laughs) no, just like be a good person and we can get coffee. (laughs) I was supposed to have hot vac summer. And then I, you, you meet someone who you're cosmically connected to. I'm like, well, fuck, I guess I'm being in love. Like, yeah. why? No, I, 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just like be like, oh gosh, I want more, but I'm just gonna No, just because my intention was to see if maybe we're gonna have some fun sex doesn't mean I'm gonna close myself off to whatever exactly. person, you know, including you know, people you think you're gonna go and fuck and there's no sexual chemistry, but you're like, this is a good friend. This is gonna yep. be a buddy. Yep. Yeah. I have so many people in my life that I consider friends who I went on dates with. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is how we met. Um, and whether there was physical contact or not, frankly, hasn't really mattered. It's like, it, even if there was physical contact and then we're like, oh, that was great. You want to be friends? Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, or there's not. And it's like, hey, there's just not that sexual chemistry here. And like, you're super fucking cool. And I like hanging out with you. Like, do you want to come over and watch a movie next week? Yeah. You know, it's it's so... It's so freeing. It's yeah. so freeing. Absolutely. Now there. Now recently, uh, there there has, and I have not designed it this way. Just happens to have been. We've had like a month or two of a lot of non-monogamy, poly-oriented episodes, and uh, something that's come up, and, and it's a fair point is that we do. You do notice that there's like a trend to kind of paint the rosy picture and, oh, yeah, there's conversations you got to have, but it's mostly great, right? So I'm going to, out of fairness to to the concepts, what is something that is really difficult about polyamory for you? Thank you for asking this because I agree with you that it gets painted very rosy. Um And just like there are really hard things about monogamy, there are really hard things about non-monogamy. I juggle four people's emotions, wants, needs, desires every day. Every day as a baseline. Like I wake up in the morning and there are three other people plus me. So it's four. (laughs) Are you doing the super king bed or are you doing is this two room situation? So we we really want the super king bed situation. <laughs> right now, what we do is we have like a rotating sleep schedule. Stop it. Stop yeah. it. So nobody really has like their own room. They're just like bedrooms. And we rotate every three days. So like it's like I'm with Ashley tonight. That means I'm with Yeah tomorrow. That means I'm with Kyle the next night. Then I'm with Ashley again. Then I'm with Yeah, then I'm with Kyle. Like, and it just kind of goes that's, through. That's a different level. I don't think I've, I've ever even heard of that. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. But sorry, so, back to the negatives. We were trying to yeah. see even in within that, I'm just like, well, look how cool that is. <laughs> I know. I know. But so, okay. So let's, let's look at the logistics behind that. Every two weeks we have a meeting, a family meeting where part of which is scheduling. And it is literally on the calendar. Who's sleeping with who, what night, Because if there's a date with that person, you don't want to then come home and sleep with someone else that night. You want to come home and sleep with the person that you went out on the date with. Then what if that upsets the sleeping rotation? Well, then what do you do? Like, And I know that these sound like minuscule things, but if you're having a particularly challenging week or like you're feeling more connected to one partner than another or really wanting extra time with one partner – one week or less Mm -hmm. time with another partner, it starts to get kind of murky because you have to then say like, no, I want my two nights this week with this person and I will not give those up. And like, that's hard to do. It's so it's, 
for me, I, I consider myself a recovering people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, one of the hard things, and I've gotten way better at it, is really, really advocating for my needs and saying like, no, this is what I need. Can we please talk about how I can get it or how this is doable? Um, and it's it's tough. Like, it's really tough. You know, and there's also like – there's differing libidos, you know, that happens in monogamous relationships and it happens in non-monogamous relationships. And it's interesting when you're watching another dyad, another two people have a different type of sexual relationship Mm -hmm. than either you have with one of them or like you have with a different person. There's a lot more mirrors. So it's like, oh, he does this with her does he do that with me? Like, or he does that with me. I wonder if he does that with her or does she want to do that with me? Cause he's doing that with her. Like there's all of these questions that pop up and it can lead to a lot of insecurity, a lot of fear, jealousy. Um, you know, and again, those are all things that like, I think are important to talk through and not just set up a life where they're avoided. Mm-hmm. And some people say, well, well, that sounds like a whole lot of work, but it sounds like for you, there's a lot of payoff. Absolutely. All relationships are work. You know, I I say all the time, relationships are relationships are relationships are relationships. Like our friendships are work. Our family member relationships are work. All of our relationships take work to maintain. And I am lucky enough to have three people that I love so deeply that I want to do that work Mm -hmm. and I want to show up every day and consider their wants and needs and desires. And there have been some really, really hard times. There have been hard conversations, jealousy, fear. Um, You know, we started out as two couples and now we're non-hierarchical within the four of us. Like Mm -hmm. that was a big shift. Um, you know, it's not, it's definitely not all sunshine and rainbows. And it's definitely not just like a sex party over here all the time. You know, that's everybody's assumption is like, oh, the four of you in a house, like you just must fuck all day. And I'm like, I actually work like 10 hours a day. Like, I, <laughs> you know, so it's, um, yeah, but it's to me, it's worth it. And for other people, it's not. And like, that's the beauty of, knowing about different relationship designs is that you get to actually choose for yourself what is worth. And not default into the norm. Absolutely. Uh, Rachel, real quick, I know you are a, uh, you're a much more scheduled person than I am. Um, How tight on on time are you? Uh, Do you have to get going? No, I think we're good. Do you have like another 10, 15 minutes? Yeah. Do a little bonus episode? I was thinking about, uh, talk a little bit about, because I know you do uh, work in sex ed as well. Yeah. So I thought maybe uh, talk some adult sex ed stuff and uh, Patreon people. You can hear that tomorrow and find out more shit you don't know that you don't know. Uh, But for now, Rachel, where can people find you? Where can they find your work? You can find me primarily on Instagram. I'm at the right Rachel. No, I take that back. (laughs) At the right underscore Rachel. Right spelled with a W, Rachel spelled E-L. And then my website is rachelrightnyc.com. And feel free to reach out, slide into my DMs, say hi. I love hearing from people. Um, I do a lot of AMAs on Instagram. I really try to like 
support people who aren't my clients also. Fantastic. Uh, she's got a great Insta, very well curated feed. Hey, uh, definitely go check that out. Uh, uh, so Patreon people, you're going to hear us tomorrow. But for now, Rachel, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody? Bye, folks. So nice to be here with you. I hope to hear from you and let me know what you think of this episode. Again, Patreon folks, you're going to hear my bonus episode with Rachel Wright tomorrow. We're talking all things sex ed. We're, she's she's going to share some things that you didn't realize you don't know, uh, including, fellas, a healthy discussion about um, both your lack of curiosity for and your over-enthusiasm towards the clitoris. Uh, and you can gain access to that bonus episode as well as over 200 bonus episodes. Uh, over at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the yeah, yeah, yes. Don't put that in the URL. It, it, won't, it won't bring you there. Thanks again to Rachel Wright for coming on. That was super fun. Would again love to know your thoughts about this week's episode in the Champagne Room can pop on into the episode discussion channel and drop your thoughts there and you can also connect with like-minded listeners in a variety of channels about all sorts of topics share photos of your pets talk about wellness debate about gaming or politics show up on sundays to share your week's sexcapades in the sexual achievement sunday channel introduce yourself today at manhorpod.com slash discord if you need some help with something, I can give you my unqualified advice. Just shoot me an email at manhorpod.com at gmail.com. Of course, you should be following me on Twitter and Instagram. Those are my main handles. I'm on Twitter at TheBillyProceda. I'm on Instagram at BillyIsProceda. And if you want to help out with, the, <laughs> with this $9,000 tax bill, Jesus fuck, I hope we can kind of fix that. Uh, if you if you want to help me out with that, you don't like the Patreon thing itself, though. I do take Venmo and Cash App and crypto. Uh, my Venmo and Cash App are in the show notes. My crypto wallet. I've never received money that way before, but if you want to be the first, I'll give you whatever is the info you need for that. Billy, shut up. Uh, do the thing. Uh, yeah, let me say those words so I can run away from this microphone. Everybody, hey, stay slutty. Stay slutty.